0: A firm crew was filming a movie and they asked the family for permission to use their front lawn as a set for a car crash scene and this family readily agreed. However, unexpectedly, there was an explosion that occurred and caused the lawn to catch fire. And subsequently, there was an angry man that came running to the scene and they asked the crew what had happened to his house. Well, in fact, what had happened was that this man that was very angry was actually the real real owner of the house. The family that was living there They had given permission for the set to be used, well, they were actually only tenants and they had no right to allow the property to be destroyed. Good morning, brethren and friends. Uh, Thank you for joining us for this morning's worship. Uh, We are on a series of lessons about spiritual wellness. And over the past few weeks, we have discussed various topics relating to our spiritual health. We talk about how well do you hear how well do you read? How well do you pray? How well do you sing? And then we also spoke about how well do you talk? And this, this day, we are, today we'll be closing the series by talking about how well do we give as we round up the lesson on spiritual wellness. Well, you may wonder why the story that I given earlier has to do with giving. It doesn't seem to have any relation. Actually, the link is that the tenants, they actually were thinking that the house belonged to them. They give permission even though they have no right to it, You know, oftentimes we also have the same idea. We also live under the same mistaken impression that what we possess actually belongs to us. We think that we are the owners of what we have, where actually we are just stewards of God's blessings. Just as the people, they were given charge of the house, the real house, the real owner belongs to the owner. Likewise, the things that we own, the things that will be given to us, the blessings we have, we are just stewards. We are not owners of it. We are just merely managers of it. In fact, the word stewards means superintendent or managers. So God has given us blessings that we are to manage, that we are to use for His glory. And so sometimes when we have this mistaken impression that what we have belongs to us, we own it. Then we begin to be give it very selective in our giving. We are selective of what we want to give to and who we want to give to. For instance, when there's a call for special collection for giving, we give to people that we are familiar with, people that we like, people that we associate with, isn't it? Uh, this brother needs some funds. Oh, okay, I know him. Uh he has been very kind to me, very friendly to me. I will support him. Another missionary needs, uh, needs funds for the work. Well, I have heard of his work, I know he's doing a good work, but he means nothing to me. I don't know him personally. Maybe I don't want to give because uh, no relation whatsoever. And sometimes we also give very selectively to causes we identify with. Talking about evangelism, mission work, well, that's not really something I'm passionate about. Uh, talking about benevolence, well, that touches my heart. I hear the sorry, I feel sad, I want to give. We begin to give very selectively. But what we don't understand is that we are actually giving to Christ, giving to the Lord and not giving to individuals. We give to the church, we give for causes that are scriptural, causes that are worthy, Ultimately, all giving is to the Lord. And Jesus says in Matthew 25, verse 40, that if you're in as much as you have done to one of the least of these, you have done it to me. So let us recognize that when we give, we are giving ultimately to the Lord and not to men. So a correct understanding of giving will then dispel reservations giving to the Lord and to our special collections for needy brethren and even to churches. But of course, that's not to say that we become very reckless in our giving. We should still give to causes that are right, causes that are worthy. We need to evaluate them. But if these causes have proven to be right causes, then we need to be generous with our giving. Sometimes I heard Christians who say that I don't give to weekly contributions because I don't support, I don't agree with the way the leaders use the funds of the church. But that's not the right thinking because we have to give an account for our giving just as the leaders have to give account for the way they use the money. We cannot choose to rob God just because we don't agree with the way that the money is being used. So this morning's lesson, I would like for us to consider our giving to God and what it means to have scriptural giving. So I would like to talk about three points for this morning. First, we look at the manner of giving. Then we look at the motivation for giving. And lastly, how we can mature in our giving. Let's first consider our first point for this morning. Manner of giving. How well we give. What kind of givers are we to the Lord and even to those who are needy? Of course, this giving does not just uh, necessitate, necessarily uh, restrict itself to Sunday collection, but in terms of giving even to the poor, giving to those who are in need. And there are three kinds of givers I'll first like to talk about. The first kind of giver is what we call rare givers. Givers who will sometimes give very, very scarcely, they give only very rarely, and when they give, they give little. The reason for that is because they're looking for tangible returns. Well, if there's something I can get out of the giving, I will give. If there's nothing I can give out of it, then probably I won't want to give. And they're looking for physical, tangible returns that they can get. But look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 33. If you do good to them who do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners, do even the same. So sometimes we give. We think that is there something that I can get back out of it. I go to attend a wedding dinner. If I give, will I get back the same amount of ang pao next time when I hold oh, a, a wedding banquet? If I give to this person, will I be able to? Uh, people, the person be able to let others know about the good deeds that I do? Will I be able to get some praise out of it? Even so, we want tangible returns, and we see that in the Bible, the Pharisees were condemned by our Lord Jesus for two reasons. First is hypocrisy and also self-righteousness. One thing that they were guilty of is that they give to have the glory of man. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus rebuked them because when they give, they sound a trumpet. Uh, uh, come, come everybody, I'm giving. Uh, see how much I give. Today, people don't do that. Uh, they don't really blow trumpet. But they blow a uh, figurative trumpet on social media. Uh, uh, if, it, if it's not seen, it means it's not done. Uh, so they must let people know that, oh, I give. It uh, posts in the media that I give so much to such a cost. Well, we see that the Pharisees were guilty of them. But the problem, the issue with such giving is that we will not have reward of our Father in heaven because we already have the praise of men, And that's why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Take heed that you do not do your alms before men. Don't show people that what you are doing. Don't give just to be seen. Because he says, otherwise, you have no reward of your father which is in heaven. So rare givers. If they give just to be seen, just to get rewards, well, the earthly reward is already there. There will be no heavenly reward that will be given. The next group of givers are what I call reluctant givers. They may give generously. They may give that what is due to the Lord. But yet they give begrudgingly and out of an attitude of obligation. They give because they have to and not because they want to. As Proverbs 23 verse 7 illustrates to us this perspective. Okay. He says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to him, but his heart is not with you. Sometimes people give, uh, they even give treats, but they give uh, not very willingly. Okay. You know, sometimes you, know, you, you have a dinner, a meal at a coffee shop. A friend walks by, uh, you ask, hey, have you eaten? The person say, no. Uh, Would you like to join me to eat? Normally, you hope that uh, you normally think that the person will say, ah, no need, it's okay, la. thank you very much. But what if the person say, oh, okay, can I, I come and join you. La. Well, you be hoping your heart, uh, please don't order fish, please don't order expensive food, uh. please don't order uh, meat. Well, the person order, what do you think? Wow, very grumbling, uh, very unhappy. Yeah, you give, but it's not it's not very willingly. it's very grudgingly. So here the Bible talks about people who are like that. They give, okay, they give, they ask the person eat and drink. Uh, eat what you like, order what you like, but the heart is not there. His uh. heart is not with you. Maybe the person is cursing the other person in the heart. Very reluctant givers. In the Bible, we also see an example of reluctant givers, right? In Acts chapter 5, verse 2, read of the case of Ananias and Sapphira. They saw Barnabas giving, having land. He sold his land and gave to the poor. Lay everything at the apostles' feet. Well, they wanted the honour. But yet, they were very reluctant to give everything. They wanted to give to have honour, but they, maybe they, perhaps they feel obliged. Huh, that everybody in the church is giving. When the bag is passed to them, if I don't give, I look very bad. Huh? So better give lah. But, yeah, if I give so much, it hurts me, it causes me pain. So they pretended to give everything, when in fact they had given part, keep kept back, kept back part for themselves. So Peter rebuked them to say they have lied to the Holy Spirit and not unto men. And so because of that, they were struck. Very reluctant givers, giving not because they want to, but because they have to, they feel that they have to. But the problem again with such giving is that there is no profit. In fact, look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. He says, Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Very generous person. Everything he sells, give to the poor. Just like what uh, Jesus commanded the rich young ruler to do. Just like what Zacchaeus actually did. He says, I will sell, I will give to the poor. Half the goods I will sow, if I cheat anybody, I will give back four times. Okay? The person may give everything to the poor and even give his body to be burned, uh, sacrifice himself for the cause of Christ. But Paul says what? If you have not charity, it profit does me nothing. So if the giving is reluctant, it's not out of love, it's not out of the willingness of heart, Paul says that giving is actually nothing. It has no profit at all because they are just giving because they have to. The third kind of givers is that which is uh commended in the Bible, which are those who are rich givers. And rich givers they give because they consider it a blessing to give. They are very happy and they think that it's really a blessing, a privilege that God has given me so much. I can be able to give to help others as well. In fact, Paul talks about how Jesus has said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. So there are rich givers who really give very generously, sacrificially, and willingly. In fact, in the Bible, we of a group of people who are like that. The churches of Macedonia, the Macedonian Christians, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, that they give of their power and even beyond their power. So they were people who were poor, but their poverty did not restrict them in their giving. In fact, they were very generous and liberal in their giving. So in this lesson, the rest of this lesson, we'll be focusing our attention about the Macedonian churches and also Paul's instructions to the Corinthians looking at the example of the Macedonians, how they were very generous and rich givers to the Lord. And they give such because such giving proves the sincerity of their love. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8, Paul says, I speak not by commandment. He told the Corinthians to give, but he said, I don't want to give as a command, but I want to be able to challenge you, to use others to challenge you by the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. So Paul is telling the Corinthians, if you say you love God, if you say you love the brethren, well, prove it. How do you prove it? You prove it by the giving. It has been said that we can give without love, but we cannot love without giving. That's true, right? We want to talk about you love your family, you love your spouse, you love your children, but yet if you are stingy with them, that doesn't really prove much love. So when we say that we love God, such ought to be demonstrated, of course, in a lot of ways, but giving cannot be exempted from it. So the question is, brethren, what kind of givers are we? Who do we identify with? Rare givers, reluctant givers, or the best of them all, rich givers. But you may ask, why do I give? What is the purpose of my giving? What is the reason to give? So let's consider the motivation for giving. What benefits does he have when we give to others? One of the benefits we read of is that the giver receives grace from God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 to verse 10. Okay, I do not put the verse here due to the space, but let's look at the verse. And keep your hand on Second Corinthians because there is a verse that there is a passage that we will always be looking to in this sermon for today. So Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight to verse ten. Look okay, at what the Bible says. Here Paul says, "God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work." So notice that when the person gives, well, he receives grace. The giver receives grace from God. Verse 9 says, As it is written, he had dispersed abroad, he had given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So the giver is blessed, but the giving is also multiplied. It is increased. So we see here that two things result when we give to the Lord. Okay? The receiver receives blessings from God. He is blessed by God. As Proverbs 19, verse 17 tells us, he that hath pity upon the poor, you look upon the poor, you, have, you have feel sorry for him, you feel pity, you give to them. And the Bible says, he lendeth to the Lord. And that which he has given, will he pay him again? What a great privilege it is, right? You give to the poor, God says, don't worry, I will repay. It's just like what uh, Paul speaks to Philemon. Whatever Onesimus owes you, I will pay it. And now this is God Himself saying it. Do we trust in the Lord? Imagine today if God comes in person, if Jesus Christ comes in person, ask you, can you lend me some money? How many of us will say no? Uh, uh, Jesus, no. I don't have money to lend you. Do well, you find, know Jesus tells you? say, uh, don't worry, I will pay you back. But I don't know whether you really pay me back. Uh, I don't trust you. Uh. I'm sure none of us will say that, right? But when we are grudging in giving to other causes that are worthy, in fact, we are telling God that, God says, I will pay it to you. But God, you know, if I give so much to others, I don't think I have enough for myself, or my family. Well, God has assured us He will give us back. The thing is, do we trust Him that He will deliver or what? He has promised. So the first thing, the first blessing that we get when we give to God is that we receive blessings. God says, I will repay to you. The repayment may not be in physical terms. You lend someone $10, you lend someone $100, you may not get that back. But it could be in other spiritual uh, blessings that you receive. Maybe good health, maybe family harmony, maybe you can be able to get a uh, job security. All these are blessings from God that are not physical, not tangible, but something that we can be able to receive from God that He returns to us. So the giver is blessed when we give to the Lord. And the giving is blessed as well. Eching uh. chapter eleven, verse one gives us a very interesting perspective. He says, Pass your bread upon the waters, for you shall find it after many days. What does it mean? Uh? Cast your bread upon the waters. You take one piece of bread, throw in the water. Do you expect the bread to multiply? Well, probably not. Uh. But here is the idea of sowing. The bread is referring to the, like the wheat. Uh. You sow the, the rice. What you get? You throw to the water. The paddy fields are flooded. You throw the seed. What happens? After many days, you get a harvest. So that's the idea. You sow, you reap. You get back more. So when you give to the Lord, the blessing is increased. Today we know for a fact that we don't like to keep money in bank. Uh. Why? the money shrinks up. You put money in the bank, the money doesn't really literally reduce, but inflation will cause the money to reduce in value, right? It will eat into our savings. So we don't like to put money in banks. We like to prefer to invest. The higher the interest returns, the better it is. But a lot of times, when we talk about giving, uh, we like to keep money in our bank. uh, uh, We got no money to give. The church is very poor, we can't give. We keep the money. What happens? The money becomes devalued. But when you give to others, well, that's an investment. That, that giving will be multiplied by God. The person you support, perhaps he will be able to get through tough times. In turn, he can be able to help others as well. Churches that have been received ben, uh, beneficiaries of it. sometimes they grow, they can be able to help others as well. When you look at the churches in Singapore, we have been beneficiaries as well. In the 1950s, 1960s, missionaries come. They help to plant churches. They help to send funds to support the churches. Today, the churches have grown. The churches have been prospered. Today, churches in Singapore, in uh, Limapin, in Jurong, and sometimes even east side, we also help other churches why in need as well. So you do see that the principle that the giving will be multiplied is true in such cases. So we need to give because the giver is blessed through the giving. Let's consider an example. In 1 Kings 17, verse 16, we see the story about the widow of Zarephath. Okay? There was a drought. Elijah was told to be able to seek shelter, to be able to uh, seek ate from this widow of Zaripath. But there was a problem. This widow of Zaripath was very poor. Elijah go to him, Itasi, can you give me some food? Give me, make me some cakes to eat. The widow told him, uh, actually we got nothing much. uh. I'm supposed to use the remaining flour to make bread for me and my child. After we eat it, we get ready to die. That's so poor that they are. What did Elijah told him? Don't worry. Prepare the food for me first. The food will not run out. Indeed, that was the case. uh. As long as the drought was there, Elijah was fevered. The food never ran out. The Bible tells us that the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail. God ensured that she had enough, so long as she gives sacrificially to the prophet of God. Do we believe that today, even though there's no miracles, God will take care of us? When we help other people, God will bless our giving so that we have enough and the giving that is being used will be prospered, will be multiplied. Do we trust that we have faith that God will bless the giver? Not only do we profit, not only do we benefit when we give, God is also glorified. God is being thanked. When we give to other people, the giver, the receiver will oftentimes give thanks to God. Just like sometimes when we pray, we also give thanks to God for the generosity of Limbaping Church of Christ, who have been able to provide us support for this many years to help us to be able to keep the church going. We are very thankful to them for it. And likewise, when we give to churches, give to brethren, I'm sure they are also very thankful for that as well. Again, okay, let's look at, go back to the example in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read from verse 11 to verse 13. Okay. Verse 11 says, Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, we cause through us thanksgiving to God. So Paul is saying that when the Corinthians give, other people will thank God for the generosity of the brethren, for the love that they have shown. Verse 12 says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. So Paul is very concerned about God. He always thinks about how he can honor and glorify God. He says, when you give, other people abound in thanksgiving to God. Everybody prays and thanks God for that. And in verse 13, he says, while by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. So people glorify God. They thank God for the good work that has been done. So here we see that when we give, we give honor and glory to God. Christians will give thanks to God for the demonstration of love. In fact, we see that Paul was very close to the Macedonian churches. He always remembered them in prayers. One reason, because he remembers their generosity towards others. They are very willing and liberal givers. As we have seen earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that they give beyond their ability. So when Paul wrote to the churches in Macedonia, which include the churches of Philippi, the Church of Thessalonica as well. The Thessalonians, he says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith grows exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abound us. So they were growing in faith. As their faith grew, it was demonstrated in their works, in their giving to others. They were giving abundantly to the cause of God. And so for that, we see that Paul gives thanks, and not only Paul, I'm sure those who, receive the, who are recipients of the gifts they also give thanks to God as well. But not only do Christians give thanks, non-Christians also give glory to God, right? When they receive the blessings, they give glory and thanks to God. That is why Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oftentimes, we have heard about churches when you give to help them, to help disaster relief and uh, to help them when they have earthquakes and all this. We speak about the churches in Philippines, for example. I remember there was one time when... uh, at, at one point in time we had a special collection for the churches uh, in philippines well brethren were there they used the money to do good works we heard of people who come to hear of the gospel they were so touched by it they come to hear the gospel to see what is it about these people that give to strangers that they do not know they obey they convert they become christians and they become faithful christians they are still serving the lord to this day so we see that through this god is glorified. Another example I can remember is that uh, for one time, we actually went on a mission trip to Philippines. Uh, that was probably, I think it's 2012. Okay. We have a Jeepney driver. A Jeepney is like a small pickup uh, that they drive us. I think Amos was there at the trip as well. They, they drove us and then was uh, the, the driver was actually someone who had been attending church. The wife was actually a Christian, but the husband at that point in time wasn't a Christian yet. He had been having some studies, but he wasn't converted at that point in time. But because the brethren know that know him, they engage him to be our jeepney driver. Okay. And so he was actually touched by the, the love, the hospitality of brethren. He see Christians coming from overseas to help the church. And we also even, the church there even helped to support his daughter in school, put her to school, support her. Initially, he was actually reluctant to be a Christian because he thought that, I am. Become Christian, uh, Sunday must work. How will I have enough to provide for the family? And in fact, Philippines, they are, they are quite poor. Uh, Jimmy drivers make barely enough uh, to make a living. If they don't work, uh, they still have, have to pay for the rental, they have to pay for the cost and all that. So it's a very big sacrifice for them not to work. They In fact, they work every day of the week. But you know what? Subsequently, not long after uh, we left from that, we heard from the brethren that he got baptized. He, he was so touched by the love, the the, the benevolence that showed towards him, and of course, the teaching of the work which he was well acquainted with. And looking at his wife's example, He was was converted. And subsequently, he was a very faithful Christian. Every Sunday morning, he will say that he will not work. After service, then he goes back to work. He dedicated, devoted that time to God because he has seen how God has blessed him, given him enough, and how brethren have taken care of him. Ultimately, God is glorified because no Christians see the example of Christian giving. They are very happy. They are very touched by God's love. God's love is shown to Christians and this person obeyed the gospel. Of course, there will probably be other cases that we do not know of. But here we see cases that God is glorified through our giving. But imagine if we have children not to give. These church people have nothing to do with me. I want to take care of my own members. Well, perhaps there will be no opportunities to convert people who do not have contact with Christians. So here we see that example that God is thanked, God is glorified when we give. In fact, the Jerusalem church, the church in Jerusalem, were well known for their generosity. Right? At this point in time, when Paul wrote to Corinth, they were in need because there was a famine. But prior to that, the church themselves were very generous. Uh. Whatever the people had, they sold their land, they sold their possessions, they gave to the poor. And next 247 47 says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. When they give, people praise God. Thank God for these Christians that they help us. They give thanks to God. They were very close contact with the people. The people love them, their favor. And what was happening? Notice that every day there were conversions because people received the love. People may not know the Bible, but they can recognize love when they see it. And the love helped to open their hearts to the gospel. They were converted. So consider the amount of good that we can do when we give and God is thanked, God is glorified. Not only that, we benefit, we glorify God. The recipient also benefits as well. Because the Ethiopian will increase in brotherly love towards us. It helps to foster closer relationships. Is it the case that we have very close relationship with Limapin? Well, one thing is probably because also they support us. They are very generous with us, and of course we know them. And we are very close, closer than other congregations. And Paul was very close to the Macedonian churches, wasn't he? Because they actually helped to support him when other churches were not given giving to help him in his mission trips. Let's now look at 2 Corinthians 9 verse 14. Okay. so going back to 2 Corinthians 9 verse 14 Paul says by the prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you so Paul says when you give to the Jerusalem saints what happens? they will be thankful for you they will pray for you and then they will long after you they hope to be able to see the brethren sometimes we have brethren overseas they are in need they always expect to us, thank us for the support hope to be able to see you they long to see the people who help them who support them so we also benefit them because the relationship is being enhanced. In fact, we see that the recipient, the beneficiary, will actually offer prayers for the benefactors. In verse 14, it says, "By their prayer for you. They pray for those of people who give to them. And likewise, we see that Paul, he also gives thanks for the Macedonian churches who are generous with, them, with him. In Philippi, Philippians 1 verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Whenever Paul thinks about Philippians, he'll think about that. Oh, how good this brethren were to me. I was struggling, I was working as a tent maker, trying to earn a keep while preaching the gospel. But yet, this brethren giving to me to help me to relieve my load so that I can help others. When you think about the Philippians, think about Epaphroditus. When he was in prison, this guy came to minister to him, even to the point of death. He worked his guts out to serve Paul. Whole thing about this brethren, what happened? Every time he prays he said, I give thanks to God for all these good brethren. So likewise, brethren, when we give to others, we actually get blessed also because these brethren will pray for us. They pray for our good health. They pray for our prosperity. They pray that we will continue to be generous with other brethren as well. They increase in brotherly love. And also, consider the case that sometimes the circumstances may change. I give to you now. Who knows, in time to come, you may be the one to give to me. And that's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 14. Paul says, by equality, that now at this time, your abundance may be a supply for that one. Now you are rich. Corinth, you are giving a supply to the one, the need of the church in Jerusalem. But the point may come that their abundance may be a supply for your one. Who knows? Circumstances may change. Maybe the famine now comes to here. Now you are the one who needs support, who needs help. If you are rejected to give, the next time you ask them to help, human nature is such that, oh, you rejected me. Uh, I think no. Uh, You don't show love to me. Why should I show love to you? Of course, that shouldn't be the case, but human nature is often such. So if you are generous with brethren, brethren will be generous to us as well. Paul says that there may be equality. The rich give to the poor. When this guy becomes rich, he will give to the poor as well. And so this is a virtuous cycle that will perpetuate. Churches in U.S. help churches in Singapore. Now Singapore churches help churches in Philippines. In time to come, when Philippine churches they have grown, they have become rich already, they can help other congregations as well. That is the virtuous cycle that will occur if we are generous without giving. In the Bible, we will see such a case. A case whereby the recipient of the kindness eventually passes it on. Remember the story of David and Jonathan? At one point in time, David was being a fugitive from the law, right? Uh, King Saul wanted to kill David. But Jonathan, the son of Saul, showed kindness to David. He showed kindness by warning him that the father is going after you. Uh, you see the sign, run for your life. But Jonathan also told David, swear kindness to my family that you will not make things hard for them when you become king. Subsequently, well, circumstances changed. The family, the house of Saul were fallen on hard times. Now the house of David have risen to the top. David became king over all Jerusalem, over all Judah. What happened at this point in time? Subsequently, David showed kindness to Jonathan. To his son, Mephibosheth, who was lame in the feet, couldn't walk. David was so kind to him he says because for your father Jonathan's sake in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7. In fact, he told Mephibosheth, yes, you shall eat at the king's table. Your father has been so kind to me, I will show the same kindness to you. That was a kind of love that they showed towards each other. So brethren, when we show kindness to others, well, the relationship is enhanced. At times when we need help from them, they will be so willing to show help to us as well. So brethren, look at the benefits of giving. We gain, other people gain, God is glorified. Shouldn't we be more generous such that all these positive effects can be enhanced? The virtual cycle can be continued when we give scripturally, when we give generously. And so having talked about how what kind of givers are we, having talked about why should we give, let's now talk about how we can improve in our giving. How can we mature in our giving? We're going to talk about another three points when it comes to giving. Firstly, we can permutate our giving. The word permuted just means vary. Sometimes we think about giving, we think about giving in monetary terms, giving money. Of course, that is commanded. Every first day of the week, we are to lay by us in store as God has prospered us. Every Sunday, we take up a collection. That is the giving that we give to the Lord. And sometimes we have the mentality, I give money to the Lord, well, that's all my obligation. I do not have to give other things. Uh, these are left to the full-time workers, the elders, the preachers, the deacons to serve. Uh, it's not my duty. But the Bible tells us that God expects us to give of our time as well. Ephesians 5 verse says to redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to spend time to serve the Lord. And we can do that by helping brethren, by participating in activities. You know, a lot of times, brethren spend a lot of time to plan programs, activities. There are workshops that are conducted. There are fellowship activities that are organized. It takes a lot of hard work you know, to do all these things. But yet, if we don't show our support, we don't attend. It gets very discouraging for those who organize, who plan such activities. We talk about even the mission trip, we need a lot of helpers, we need a lot of workers. Well, if you we don't have helpers, the program has to be cut down. That will be a shame, that will be a regret, isn't it? So we need to spend our time in serving God. And even then, as we progress, as we mature, use our gifts, our talents, our service to serve God. As uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, as every man has received a gift. Notice everybody has a gift. We have to find our gift, our area of service to the Lord. So it says that you have the gift, you use it to minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold wisdom of God. Again, the word steward say we are managers. We have been given talents. My, 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 my job is to manage the talent. How I can use this talent? Not just for secular use to build a career, but use it to serve the Lord. In the church, we have brethren with multiple talents. There are brethren who are good at teaching. They use that to teach. Some brethren say, I cannot speak, God. I cannot teach, I don't know what to say. Well, they serve in other areas. They are good at cooking, they use their talents to serve in preparing food. There are brethren who use their talents, for example, with numbers, to help with the accounts, to help with other areas, to clean the building. All these are talents that God has given to us. Don't you think that our giving on Sunday is all that we can do? We can do much more for the Lord we give our time, our talents, our service to the Lord. There is a few ways that we can give to the Lord. Second way that we mature in our giving is to plan our giving. That's right. Don't just give on the spot or give spontaneously. Plan what and how much we want to give. Because planned giving leads to purposeful giving. We will give to a cause that we identify with. We give to causes that we find worthy. So when we plan, we think about how much we want to give, that will be sufficient giving. And that's why when the talk about the Philippines mission trip, we set a target, $3,000 that we want to raise. We'll talk more about it next week when we, we uh talk about the giving. We'll give more details. But we have to plan to think about how much we need. We don't just say, everybody give as much as you can. Probably people will say, huh? what's the figure? I don't know how to aim. So you plan, you purpose how much you want to give. And then there'll be enough giving. So Paul says, give for this cause, so that there'll be no collections when I come. Paul says, get ready the bounty. When I come, I'm coming to collect from you. And then I bring it to the saints in Jerusalem. Don't give spontaneously because that will lead to uh, very destructive uh, giving. People will not give as they should. And that leads to the next point. When you plan your giving, you will be more generous with your giving. Plan giving leads to bountiful giving. At 2 Corinthians 9 verse 5, Paul says that he thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that it should go before to you and make up beforehand your bounty whereof we had noticed before. So then Paul says that I give you notice now so that when the brethren come, the same may be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness. Uh, quite a mouthful. Uh, the word doesn't really uh, sound very easy to understand. But let me read from the New James version. Paul says that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. So Paul is saying that I let you know now first so you prepare. You have time advance to prepare. When you plan it, you will give generously. You won't give grudgingly. Oh, when the bag is passed, oh yeah, I feel I have to give. I don't know how much, but I just give. And when it comes to that, when it comes to uh, giving on the spot, a lot of times will be a bit more stingy than when we should be, right? You think about it. When you go to a flag day, uh, uh, people hold the tin for you, ask you to donate money. Okay, what do you do? If you have planned beforehand, or oh, I want to give $2, you take out for $2, you plan to give, you prepare for it, right? But if you don't plan for it, what happens? Yeah, open my wallet. There's only 20 cents and $50. Dollar. Which one should I give? Uh? Well, most probably, I think for at least for more people, at least for myself, right? Uh, I'll say, uh, earn on the side of caution. Uh, uh, in case I need more money, I give the 20 cents. Uh. Well, that's the case, right? Because you don't plan, you are, you are, you are suddenly called upon to give. You don't prepare. But when you prepare yourself, you think about how much you want to give, you plan, you portion that out. So when it comes to our giving to the Lord, even giving for special collection, we plan beforehand how much we want to give so that we can be generous with our giving. And when we plan our giving, well, it's less painful. Uh. I budget properly, it's not so painful to me. But when I don't budget, when I give up, uh, it causes me pain. Uh, okay? So planned giving leads to cheerful giving. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7, Paul says, Every man has a purpose in his heart, so let him give. So you purpose, you plan how much? You give. So that you will not be grudgingly on necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Okay? So when you give, when we plan for it, it's less hard on us. We give more cheerfully. Let me give you an example. I oh, will just go by Chinese New Year, right? Sometimes Chinese New Year, you know what will happen. Prices will raise for the first two days. The store owner will put a sign advance beforehand. Uh, prices will be raised by uh. a okay, dollar. You know about it. You plan. When you go to the store order, the person say, uh, sorry, uh, today Chinese New Year, uh, extra dollar cannot." Uh. Oh, okay, can, can. I know about it. But what happens if you go to the store? No sign, nothing at all. If you go and order the food. Uh, the food owner time, you say, oh, this price. Huh? How come I got extra? surcharge? Oh, uh, Chinese New Year. But you never stay. You get very upset, right? Because it's Impromptu, it's on the spot, there's no preparation. You get upset because it's not cold to read in advance. So similarly, when it comes to giving, it's the same way. Just like our government, when they want to raise GST, uh, many years before they tell you, uh, imagine if the government started tomorrow GST increase 1% again. Wow, how of us be up in arms, are very angry. Yeah. Uh. You never tell me how do I plan my budget? How do I give? How do I support my family? So that's why we oftentimes have to plan our giving. How much we want to give a lot, we think about it, we plan so that we'll be very cheerful when we give. The pain is not so much then because I already plan properly. I know that I can afford that. I know that I have enough to give to the Lord. That is what we mean by planned giving so that we will be cheerful, we will be generous and we will be purposeful in our giving. That is what we mean by how we can mature and improve in our giving. The third point we want to bring about is to proportion our giving. Okay. The Bible says to give as God has prospered us. So what does it mean to give as God has prospered us? Some Christians say, think think to me that today we don't pay tithes, we don't give 10%. So it's an opportunity for me to give as little as I can. Uh, That is an opportunity for me to give uh, whatever I want because there is no instruction in the Bible. Well, God's Word tells us that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Could it be the case there is no expectation for giving? We can give as little as we want. Are there no instructions whatsoever? Think about other acts of worship. When it comes to singing, we know what to do. We have to sing with our lips, no instruments of music. When we pray, there's an order, right? We pray to the Father, to the Son, it's not whatever way we want. We preach, we have to preach God's word. We take the Lord's Supper, it's not suka suka you want to have whatever elements you want. Prata, coke, no. Bread, for the vine. How is it that when it come to giving, no no, no standard, huh? up to you, you can give as little as you want. Surely that cannot be the case. But you may challenge me, is there a Bible verse that tells you how much you should give? Well, I will say there's no direct command. But there are principles that we can learn from. Principles we can learn from, approved examples, and necessary inference. Are there examples of how we should give? Well, we see that when the giving was not mandated as a type, people actually give beyond and more of what they can afford. As you see in the example of the Macedonians. Even we see the churches, the Christian in Jerusalem, they give liberally. They didn't say that, oh, well, there's no command to give. Uh, now I can be able to save on my giving. Instead of 10%, extra 5% keep for retirement, I give only 5% to God. That is not what God uh, tells us to do. Let's consider further some principles that I would like for us to consider. For instance, are we held to a higher or lower standard than the Mosaic law? Higher or lower standard that we are subject to today? Look at what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaks, for if they escape not, if they escape not, who refuse him that speak on earth How much more shall we escape if we turn away from Him with speakers from heaven? What what the Hebrew writer is saying is that, well, Moses gave the law. He is the one that speaks on earth. If you disobey Him, you cannot escape. Now, Christ has spoken from heaven. The one that came from heaven has spoken. His words have more weight than the law of Moses. Do we think that we can escape if we do not obey Him? So the standard notice is higher already. Moses, law of Moses, the person is being convicted. God's law, the words of Christ, Hold us to an even higher standard. In fact, we consider what God demands of us. Is it higher or lower? In the Old Testament, sacrifices were dead sacrifices, humans are uh, animal sacrifices. But today, what do God expect? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it tells us that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Today God says it's no longer about dead animal sacrifices, it's about our lives as a sacrifice to God. So does that, does that mean that it's lower standard? Or is that a higher standard? Consider also, under the Old and the New Testament, do we receive greater blessings today or lesser blessings than before? Hebrews 8 verse 6 tells us that Christ had obtained a more excellent ministry and He is the mediator of a better covenant which are established for better promises. Today, we have better promises from God, better blessings from God. Old Testament, they have blessings true, but a lot of it is very physical. They have the land, they have the inheritance. Today, our blessings are spiritual which are even of a better quality than before. We have peace, we have forgiveness of sins which the Old Testament they do not have. Okay? Uh, the blood of goods and goats can never take away sins. It's only when Christ died that the blood flows both directions to wash away that sins. So today, do we have better or worse blessings than before. Consider Ephesians 1 verse 3 which tells us that we have received all spiritual blessings in Christ. So today, we have to admit that we have Better blessings than before. And consider, last point, is Christ deserving of more or less than the Levitical priests? The Jews in the Old Testament, they give to the priests 10%. Today, we are giving to Christ. Can we say, oh, Christ, now you deserve less than 10% because they give 10%, but I give less than that. Who is more deserving? Okay, Look at Hebrews 3, verse 3, where the Hebrew writer says that this man was counted of more glory than Moses. Talking about Jesus, our Lord has more glory than Moses because he who built the house has more honor than the house. What does he mean? Jesus is the one who built the church. He has more honor than the house itself. We see that the house, the foundation, was built upon the apostles and the prophets in Ephesians 2 verse 20. This house has glory. But isn't the architect of more glory than the house. He because he's the one who built the house. In fact, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the highest. The highest honor goes to him. He should be more deserving of our praise and of our honor and blessings as well. Another verse I would like for us to consider is in Hebrews 7, verse 8, which I find a very interesting verse because here it compares the priesthood of Christ and the Levitical priesthood. In Hebrews 7, we see that Christ is of the priesthood of Melchizedek. And here, the Hebrew writer talks about how Melchizedek priesthood is higher than the Levitical priesthood. Why so? Because it says that the Levites pay tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham. The Levites were descendants of Abraham and Abraham himself gave a tithe to Melchizedek. So this shows that Melchizedek priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood. Well, we know that in the Old Testament, they were not commanded to give tithes in the time of the patriarchal age. Only for the time of Moses, they were commanded. Before that, we see examples of tithing as well. Abraham gave a tithe. Jacob also gave a tithe as well. They were not commanded, but yet, they give. So the point that I'm trying to bring across is that, now, Melchizedek, Jesus is under the Melchizedek priesthood. Surely, if the Levitical priesthood gave 10%, the Melchizedek priesthood is worthy of at least that amount, if not more. Hebrews 7 verse 8 says, Here, men that die receive tithes. Talking about the device, They are the priests that live, they die, they receive tithes. But there he receiveth them, of, which, of whom it is witness that he liveth. Because so Melchizedek actually received the tithes as well. And Jesus is of the priesthood of Melchizedek. So today, when we give to God, we are actually giving to a higher priest a greater high priest. So brethren, I would like for us to consider, does our giving reflect the higher standards that God expects of us today? Does our giving reflect the greater blessings that we receive from God today? And does our giving reflect the superiority, the deservedness of our Lord Jesus Christ as compared to the Levitical priests? And to answer this question, I would have to say that our giving must exceed but at least be the same, if not exceed the giving of the Jews under the Old Testament. In fact, we consider an example, one case that the Jews were commanded, of course, to give tithes of 10%. But remember when Moses, on one occasion, asked them to give for the building of the tabernacle, it was a free will giving. When it was free will giving, it means people can give whatever they want. What do you think the Jews did? they said, now free will giving, I already give 10%, right? Now I cut short my giving. That was not the case, huh? because we see that Moses to stop the collection because you say that the people have given too much. The all, the freedom to give caused the people to give even more. But today, perhaps the reverse. Uh, says you are free to give how much you want. We say, let's cut down on my giving because there's no mandated 10%. But do we honour God through our giving as well? Perhaps we see that today we are receiving support from LAP. If our giving had been increasing, today everybody free will. Uh, perhaps we will tell are LAP, LAP stop giving to us. Uh, we have more than enough. Uh, we don't need so more money. That could be the case if all of us are willing to give scripturally as what God deserves in our giving. So brethren, in this morning's lesson, we have considered reflected about our giving to God. We talk about the manner of giving. Three types of givers. The rare givers who give for the glory of man, to be seen by man, to get things for return. The reluctant givers who give out of obligation. Because I have to, that's why I give. And we talk about the rich givers who give liberally because they know that it's a blessing to be able to give to others. We spoke about the motivation, the reasons why we give. When we give, we receive blessings from God. God Himself is glorified and thanked. And the people who receive it, they also benefit. The relationship is being enhanced through the giving. And we talk about how we can mature in our giving, permutate our giving, giving our time, our energy, our money. We talk about planning our giving. You need to uh we need to spot uh, our liberal giving to us to be able to give cheerfully as well. And we talk about how to proportion our giving. The principles that we have stated to show that we are actually under a better, we uh, receive more promises, we are serving a greater high priest. And so our giving should reflect that accordingly. But ultimately, the secret, the key to scriptural giving is that we must first give of ourselves to the Lord and then we can be able to give to others. If we are not willing to give ourselves to God, then we will never think about giving to others. That is the key. This reminds me of an uh, interesting uh, incident. Uh. Uh, as you know that uh, Jose's uh, grandma was baptized last year, not too long ago. So we have been having worship with her. You know, when it comes to giving, it's quite interesting uh, when you talk to her. Because when we ask her, uh, auntie, how much you want to give? Uh, $10 enough or not? You say more. Then Jose asks her, how much you want to give? Give thousand thousand. La. <laughs> Why? Because she, to her, is that like, I give to God. La. The money doesn't belong to me. Uh, how much I, I think God deserves, I will give to him. She's very generous because she thinks that Well, ultimately, everything belongs to God. I will give. If we have the mindset that our money don't belong to us, but we are just managers, uh, we'll be more willing, we'll be more liberal if our giving, will not we? When we give to the Lord, we will be able to give to others as well. So brethren, our Lord became poor, that we through His poverty might be rich. As 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 tells us. So what we have is through God, God giving us the riches. He made Himself poor to give us all spiritual blessings. Well, are we willing then to return a portion of what truly belongs to Him? God doesn't expect everything, but He wants us to give to support Him, His work, and to show our love for Him. Will we be able to give generosity? We know David was a man after God's heart. He gives generosity. In 1 Chronicles 29 verse 14, he says, All things come of you, and of your own have we given to you. Well, he says that, well, it's nothing much to build a temple for God, because every thought, everything comes from God. When I give to God, I'm just returning what God has given to me. It's a loan that God has given me. I pay back a bit on it. He was so willing to give. And to the friends that are with us, well, God wants to give you a gift as well. God, as He wants us to give, He also has given us much. In fact, God wants us to give you eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As Romans 6.23 tells us, the thing is that we have to obey the gospel in order to be saved. Because Romans 1.16 tells us that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Will you receive this free gift, the best gift, the richest gift that anybody can ever give? God gave His Son. That is the greatest giver. But we have to do our part to receive this gift. Will we do so in obedience to His will? Well, the plan of salvation is clearly shown to us in the Bible. We have to hear the Gospel, believe the Gospel, the Word of God, repent of our sins, confess Jesus as Son of God, to be baptized, to wash away our sins, and thereafter, to remain faithful and we shall receive the crown of life. These are blessings that we don't deserve, but God has given you. It's free, but yet you have to meet the conditions to receive it. Would you want to obey the gospel this day? We hope that if you have any need, if you have any requests, do let us know as we stand and sing the hymn of invitation and encouragement, I am dying O Lord.
1: I am thine O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me near. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Consecrate me now to Thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to that precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure life of a single love that before Thy throat I spent. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, I commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious links sound. There are depths of love that I cannot know. Till I cross the narrow sea. There are lights of joy that I may not reach. Till I rest in peace with thee.